You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Prepare yourself. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. Hello, hello. Does my voice sound better? I hope it does. Apparently last year when I got COVID, everyone went ahead and said I had COVID. I had uh, a new COVID voice where I sounded darker and steelier, as some would say, even sexier. But uh, I, I just feel like a squeaky teenager. Hopefully, after a few weeks and a couple days of uh, some intense salt gargling, uh, hopefully my my voice is better. We've got a special treat for you today. I get many inquiries from you folks across Al Gore's World Wide Web wondering what a consultation actually looks like with me and uh, whether or not you feel comfortable even paying for somebody to kind of coach you through this. And I totally get it. Online, on YouTube, and podcasting, all around the internet, you're often wondering whether or not you're going to get your money's worth from actually speaking with an expert. And uh, I, I get it. I've been burned from influencers and stuff too. You probably have as well. But my question is, are you going to go ahead and get the best advice about your health from WebMD or a doctor? If you want to go ahead and you know lose weight and get uh, in better shape, are you gonna go ahead and uh, you know ask some guy who isn't in better shape himself, but he loves giving you advice to give you advice on how to do this? Or are you gonna go talk to somebody who's actually in shape and is a personal trainer? Uh, I hope I can provide you that type of value. What I do is I help authors on the process of publishing their books. I help podcasters get in the process of starting and then growing a podcast. And what I also do is I help people develop active and passive streams of income to complement what they're doing for their full-time job. So that way they can get more money in instead of just send them money out. So what I do is I typically try and understand who my client is what their current situation is, how that aligns with their overall short and long-term goals, and then crafting a plan based on their personality. Because not one person is the key to um, you know creating a template that a bunch of other people can 
follow. I can kind of walk you through the steps. I can go ahead and walk you through a lot of the general uh, ins and outs of freelancing and affiliate marketing and that stuff. But I don't know what your talents are. I don't know what your skills are. I don't know what you like and don't like doing. I don't know what your financial situation is until we actually sit down. And then from there, what I do is I take the step-by-step process I've created and I make sure that I'm putting you not in a cookie-cutter template but I'm trying to mix and match what is best for you. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't make me look good if I'm giving you advice and instructions that one, you can't do because it's just infeasible, it's too unrealistic, and three, that when you try it, you're not gonna get some degree of success. I'm not telling people that I've got a miracle cure, but what I do have is enough experience and hands-on knowledge to help craft you a plan to get you where you need to go. Whether you're a budding author, whether you're the new all-star podcaster that no one's ever heard of, or whether you're just trying to find something so you can go ahead and make sure that you've got enough cash saved up for that emergency hospital bill. So you can increase your investments when you're within a retirement window because there's a game you want to buy because you want to be able to take your family on a vacation because you just want peace of mind. So what I did was I went ahead and I uh, put out some feelers letting people know, hey, if you're willing to come talk about this type of stuff on the show with me, I will give you a free consultation for about uh, 25 minutes or so. And this way, it'll give people kind of an opportunity to hear how I kind of work through the process. And um, you get a free consultation. I just get to put it on the show. And afterwards, I'll do what I always do after I get off with a client call. I'm going to send you all the notes and all the resources. So that way, you can become the hero of your own story and get shit done. Today's main focus is copywriting. I talk about copyright, copy, copywriting, copywriting. I talk about copywriting a lot because as many of you know, my big side hustle has always been copywriting. So it's what I most relate to. And I do genuinely believe that copywriting is the best side hustle for most people, especially if you've got access to the internet. So um, our guest today is Reinhold. I went ahead and recorded uh, a call with him, and we tried to go ahead and lay out some different options, understand what he was more uh, favorable to. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I try and serve you, the client. So I'm not going to try and force you into something that you're not happy with. I want to make sure that I can provide you all the options so you can make the best educated decision for yourself. So sit back, relax. And enjoy the call. Well, folks, if you're not part of the Not Wall group on Facebook, Not Walnuts or whatever we're, we're calling it at the moment, the, the group that the group that survived the Facebook purge of uh, spring 2021. If you're not part of that group, which I'll leave a, a link in the show notes today, uh, you, you gotta go ahead and join it because you don't only get to hang out with other listeners across the We Are Libertarians network. You get to hang out with all the other hosts as well. Chris Spangle, Brian Nichols, Trisha, Hody, everyone. And you get opportunities like this. I went ahead and went in the Facebook group um, a few days ago and I went ahead and said, hey, I want to go ahead and let people know more about what we're offering here within the on the run community, which is all about trying to find ways to maximize more freedom in your life. And uh, what I do pretty regularly is I meet with people from across the country and I help them basically try and find ways to develop active and passive income streams. So that way you're working less in terms of exchanging time for money and you're working with skills and with, you know, talents that you have that can earn you cash across 
the world because, you know, we live in a global economy and the internet is a great equalizer. So someone went ahead and took me up on this and I'm so happy to go ahead and bring in my friend Reinhold, one of the co-hosts from the Chris Spangle show. Reinhold, thank you so much for taking the time to reach out and everything. I'm excited to get to kind of jump into this today. Well, I appreciate you having me on and making the offer. Um, that was a very generous one. And, uh, I figured I would just throw my name out there because it sounded like a good opportunity. So, and, uh, I wanted to find out what was going on. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what I kind of want to do is understand wh- where you're kind of at right now, because one criticism for getting side work is why would I get another part-time job? Why would I go ahead and add more work to my life, especially if I'm not going to make the money that I feel I'm, you know, I'm capable of making. And I think that's a really fair criticism because you know, there's adding more work into our lives, and then there's adding what I consider more effective ways of making money. Because when we look at things like the 40-hour work week, you've got some folks who, you know, they're, they're working from the moment they clock in to the moment they clock out. But for a lot of folks, you know, they're not actively working those 40 hours. So what could you do during that time, or what could you do outside of those work hours to try and just find ways to create more active and passive streams of income. So I kind of want, want to understand where you're at right now. You're a, you're, you're a couple of years older than me, I think. A few, a few. Uh, quite, quite a, quite a few. Um, are, are you still um, currently working? So I am working currently. Uh, I have a, a pretty good job. The only problem is, is that I've been doing it for 30 years and I'm getting a little burnout on doing the specific thing that I'm doing. Um, I'm 10 years away from retirement. So, you know, switching jobs and and going somewhere else probably isn't going to be that exciting or fun. Um, But I'm also looking about 10 years out from retirement in the fact that I have some extra money so I can make sure I can retire well and maybe even retire earlier than that would be nice. In addition to that, um, I might want to still do something after retirement that I enjoy doing. It's, it's I would consider a hobby currently. Uh, but if there's a way to earn an income, even if it's not the same that I'm making now, when I retire, that's going to help me, you know, past that point. Well, uh, what industry are you currently in? Uh, I am in a uh, computer, uh, basically I'm a computer consultant. Um, uh, with a large, large firm that uh, I consult with other companies about their infrastructure, specifically around Microsoft technologies. Okay, um, you know, for for your current job, like how, how much of your day is actively working? Like, are, are you are you remote or are you still in the office? Uh, I've been remote for quite some time. Um, we we kind of started going remote a little bit earlier before before the COVID thing happened, and then my wife was a. Uh, uh, had, had come up sick. So I had to end up staying home and taking care of her and taking care of the situation. Uh, and the company I worked for was very gracious and was able to make accommodations and, and allow me to do that. So um, I'm very, very lucky in those respects. Um, but as m- the work that I do every week is very variable, there are weeks I can go by, especially as a consultant, where I can go by with having a thing to do. 
Um, except, you know, betterment of myself, you know, advancing skills, taking, you know, that sort of thing, taking classes and but in terms certifications. Of like, actual, like task right. load, it's not usually that hefty. It, it's not usually that hefty, but then, there, but then there are times where I put in 60, 70 hour weeks and we're doing a cutover, we're doing a bunch of, you know, support work, you know, that sort of thing, migrations on weekends. So it's, it kind of goes back and forth. I think on average, it's probably around 30 hours a week. Um, well, if you, the, if you were to calculate it out. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're the average American that's working in an office. And when I say in an office, I also mean whether or not you're actually physically in an office space, or you're working at home. Most of the time they're only actively working for two, three hours a day. And they're trying to find other work to occupy their time or, or they're distracted. Um, you know, the other thing is, um, you know, they, they go home and they feel burned out and they don't often feel the need to kind of follow through on different things, whether it's a hobby, whether it's family responsibilities or whether it's working on a side income, whether they're freelancing or, you know, trying to start a side business. So, you know, based off what you've told me, you've got the opportunity to work from home, fully remote, which is going to free up a lot of your time. It's going to free you up from a lot of distractions that, you know, a general office place would generally toss at you. That you have a skill and an ability that is not dependent on your physical labor. Um, you know, by being able to do everything just with access to the internet is a is is a giant pro that goes in your favor. So you know, at this point, the the other thing that you mentioned is you're not actively working consistently, except for some weeks where you do have a ton of work. So it's based more on caseload. So what that does is that frees up a lot of your time because I was on the phone of somebody earlier today and, um, you know, this person is working 44 hours a week, every week. And, you know, the, the big challenge that they were going to encounter was whether or not they actually had the time to set up a side gig and actually manage clients because you could have all the capability, you could have all the tools and talents, but if you don't actually have the time to start it up, promote it, and then deliver your client products on time, it's, it's going to fail. So right now it, you know, um, you've got the extra time that you're willing to commit to it in terms of how much you want to actually dedicate during the week, how, how much time do you think you could put aside just to doing client work or just to doing research and development on your side income? Um, I would guess around 15, 20 at the, you know, on the, on the high end. I mean, I do still have responsibilities at the house. I take care of, you know, uh, things like that, but with everything, I think that's, that's an easy number to hit. Um, oh, well, you're, you're way more. Yeah, I mean, you're way more. I mean, uh, the, the average time I would say for most people is four, but if you're willing to put in, you know, 10 plus hours, you're, you're already ahead, which kind of leads me to the next thing, because you and I had spoken about this. Um, you know, you, you want to specifically try copywriting. Why, why do you want to specifically jump into that? Well, I want to do something around writing. My problem is, so I, I've been uh, wanting to be a kind of a writer for most of my life. And I've spent the last 30 or so years actually doing that for free by doing, you know, writing for a couple different locations. I wrote for Watchblog, I wrote for Newsvine, I wrote for um, uh, a couple of other short-lived uh, startups. But it was always uh, me going out, putting my work out there, and then them making money on the ads. But I was just getting the exposures, right? Um, and unfortunately... Yeah, I think the most popular one I had done was was Watchblog, which um, had a very unceremonious 
demise to it, um, fortunately. Um, but I've always been writing things um, and I enjoy doing it. So something along those lines, if I could do what I'm enjoying to do and earn money on it, that's what I was looking to do. And you had mentioned copywriting. I don't know what other real options are out there, but my thought is, is that if I could start making money, actually writing, that would sort of solidify, you know, a reputation, make it more, you know, you are now an actual writer. You know, you can say that you are instead of just a hobbyist at that point. So when, um, when, when you, when you were writing previously at those other outlets, were you writing primarily commentary or was it like uh, short news pieces? What, what type was it? Uh, it was mostly commentary op-ed type stuff. Um, I also wrote uh, occasional short stories and fiction, but that's all, you know, that's a whole, when I grew, when I was growing up and trying to do, get in break into that, it was a whole different era. You mean, you had to get a, you had to get an agent, you know, you had to push to the right publishers and figure out how to make that work. Unless you knew the, knew the way into the, the magazine businesses and things like that. But I never was able to get that path because I was always focusing on making my main job work. Right. So I was spending a lot of time getting myself into a position where I could be where I'm at today. Um, so now I'm just trying to figure out how's, how's the best way to do that. How's the best way to get into those, um, areas and find the people who are willing to pay me for the writing. Yeah, absolutely. You've got, you've got three real big things going for you. One, you already know how to work remote and work remote efficiently, and this is not going to cut into your actual day job because you don't want to mess with that. That's your biggest priority at the end of the day. And, you know, it's not cutting into other family obligations because you've got a degree of cushion time during the week to actively start working on this. So for, for copywriting in general, copywriting is just really the act of writing. What you have right now in the pandemic and the lockdowns really push this into high gear is you've got more people jumping online in the e-commerce and uh, digital content space than at any other point in human history. So what you have is you have a lot of people that are starting businesses, they're starting news outlets, you name it, they're creating it. And um, what they typically have is they have a product or service that was already bringing in money, but their goal is to bring in more money. So what they're doing right now is they're trying to find people to write website copy, to write product reviews, to write emails. That's more on the sales side. So that, that's going to be one peg that we're looking at. If you want to get into copywriting tomorrow and make money tomorrow, there are plenty of sites out there uh, such as Fiverr or Upwork where they have different models of actually promoting your gig and connecting you to clients. Um, a platform like Fiverr will take you 30 minutes to upload um, all the stuff that you need to set up your profile. And what you do is you set your own rates and Fiverr accepts a commission and they're actively promoting you. So by the time a client comes across you and they want to work with you, most of the time they're already going to have placed an order. So you already have money in. All you have to do at that point is take the order, write it, and send it to them, and then you collect your payment um, the, because the money's already locked. Then you've got other services like um, Upwork where you're dealing with a more corporate clientele and you're often bidding 
for contracts. And um, s- since you do work in, in the IT realm, working with computers, you're probably going to find people that are looking for a lot of technical writers. So writing instruction manuals, writing uh, website reviews and things like that. So you're going to be dealing with a higher tier of client. The only problem that I have with Upwork, which is why I never personally liked it, is because there's so many freelancers out there, you're typically bidding for the bottom. So you're basically bidding to do more work for less money compared to the competition. So my thing was always like, I'd rather just have the cash on hand and immediate expectations from Fiverr um, compared to Upwork. But I know plenty of people that do that. So if you're looking for an ability to just kind of, you know, dust everything off, work on your writing, get some clients and start getting money immediately, I think doing technical copywriting, uh, you know, writing sales copy and that type of stuff, it's going to expose you to more clients from around the world. I mean, um, I was writing website copy for a Malaysian Botox clinic, which is something I never thought I would say out loud. But that's really good because how else are you going to get exposed to a global market? And with that, I mean, my name was never on anything. It's not glorious work, but it was good, consistent work. And I built relationships with those clients and they reviewed me and it brought me in more people. And after about six months, I was able to raise my rates. So I think that's great for people, especially folks that had written commentary like you and I both started as commentary writers. It was harder for me to transition um, to writing sales and technical copy. But what I can tell you is that um, there's not always a demand for commentary, but there is always a demand for that. And you can charge a lot of money for that. And if that can fund everything else you do, then that's a good approach. So you know, starting off on one of those platforms where you're getting immediate exposure and you're getting immediate clients that just need anywhere between like, 300 to 700 words. That's one, that's a great way of getting money in and expanding your network. But it's also just a good practice. You know, as a, as a, as a writer, and you mentioned that you wrote fiction, uh, writing prompt work is key for us to develop our skill to, you know, not only get words on paper, but to also keep those gears moving so we could be routinely creative. You're already creative minded in the fact that you started in fiction and commentary, So what I suggest to people who usually look at sales and technical copy is, oh, that's just too, you know, that's too strict, that's too narrow. I see it as a challenge because one, I'm getting exposed to new industry. It's something that I probably wouldn't have picked to write myself. And it's going to really test my ability to accomplish this job and hopefully get this person to want to hire me again. So that's one option. The, The second option Uh, which is a little bit harder, but I think if you're looking at this more from a long-term development perspective and not just immediately making money perspective, you can accomplish both, but there are pros and cons of this one. One is just getting straight into commentary. Um, You know, uh, when I left uh, one of my super PAC jobs in 2018, uh, I went through a period where I just needed to write for my own sake, but also try and find a way to make money. So I went ahead and started a blog on medium.com where I was just writing a lot of the commentary that I was writing for other sources. The The problem for me at the time was that nobody was hiring or nobody wanted to even take my copy, which is always almost worse. I mean, I, I, I would rather you publish my stuff and not pay me than just tell me you're not going to publish my stuff. It, it hit me. It hit me like right in the core. But what I did was I took uh, advantage of uh, the medium partner program where basically what you do is you write long form copy. Typically they want something between 700 to 1200 words and you put a paywall over it. 
And what happens is it puts a, a meter on the article. So typically people get three free premium articles across medium, kind of like how it is for the New York Times or other places. But after a while, there are enough people that are actually subscribed to the premium content that each time they go and view your piece, you're actually collecting royalties from it. And it, you know, I, I never got rich off of writing medium pieces, but it brought me three things. One, it got me writing again. It got me writing commentary that I didn't have to deal with an editor about. Two, some of those articles are some of the most popular pieces I've ever written. And I'm not talking like a few hundred more than the last popular article. I'm talking tens of thousands more readers because Medium is a thriving platform. And I think Substack has kind of taken that away from Medium, but Medium is still very popular with that. Um, and then the other part of it was I was able to then take those pieces and send it over to different producers and stuff. And I was still going on radio and talking about it. So this was a good opportunity for me to get in front of a lot of people writing the stuff I really wanted to write. And then because I actively promoted my work, I was getting more followers. I was getting more mentions. You know, I was keeping more of the attention on me so I could stay in people's minds. So hopefully maybe I could get a job. But, you know, third, by placing that paywall over it, um, you're collecting royalties forever. I, I don't. I have not written on Medium in a in a pretty you know pretty big minute, but I'm still collecting royalties. Now it's a few dollars here and there, but that's easy passive income. I'll, I'll go ahead and look at my statement once a month, and I'll get like you know seventy five bucks out of nowhere, and I'm like, where'd this come from? And it's from Medium.com. So if you really just want to do commentary and you're focused on how do I grow my name recognition and how do I also make some money, um, I, I think the Medium Partner Program is the best place for commentary journalists and writers. And they, you know, you can write anything and put a paywall over it. They really don't care what you write. So whether you're doing, you know, your opinion on a recent uh, event on the news or whether you're writing, you know, short stories, you could stick a paywall over that. And as long as you're doing the stuff to optimize it within the medium readership and what they like, that's a really easy way to let more of your passion out up front. You will not make as money as doing the sales and technical writing, but if that's more of where your heart sings, so to speak, that's the best place to do it. I haven't found anywhere else. I don't even think that Substack matches what Medium is willing to promote for people. Um, I think a lot of people jumped over from Medium to Substack because it was the newest thing at the time. The longer that I've been on Substack, the more I long for some of the things I had on Medium. I'm trying to find a good marriage between the two. But I would still say if you want to try and get some attention and some money from your writing, Medium.com is the best place. So that's where you go if you want to do commentary. The third thing you mentioned was, um, you know, the, the fact that you had actually written short stories. How, how long were those short stories typically in terms of word count and stuff? Um, probably less than 10,000. I don't, I started working on a couple long form novels, but it, you burn out when you haven't got to the point where you're, you know, you're going to be successful or not. So you wonder if you're wasting your time throwing all that time into it. Um, so short stories were more just a case of me trying to, I was trying to get into science fiction, so I was uh, planning to write for um, the Isaac Asimov magazine that I used to read when I was a kid, right? So they would publish, submitted, you're right. Um, so I never got anything published, but I did write a couple things and um, when I was younger, and just uh, that would be about the limit of it, though. You, you are 
already prepared more than you think, because not only do you understand how the internet works, but you've all already proven to yourself that you can get 10,000 words out. I know people who's told me that they haven't written more than a few thousand words since they left college. So the fact that, you know, after the fact, I'm assuming you were able to go ahead and get 10,000 words of short stories out there, that already shows that you're already well ahead of people that think I want to write a book, but they've never actually written a story just to see if they could do it. Um, I, I, I'm a lot like you in the fact that I, I struggle with now and I have always struggled with a lot of self-doubt with more of my creative endeavors. I've always made more money from the immediate value I could provide people than a lot more of my creative things, my documentaries, my books, other stuff like that. Um, don't get me started on Remso t-shirts. We don't talk about those anymore. But um, when I wrote my first book, I was um, working on a few different uh, political campaigns by night as a campaign manager, and I was a mall cop by day, and I lived with my parents. My life was just not necessarily where I thought it would be after graduating from Liberty with a degree in political science and what I considered high aspirations. High aspirations meant I was kind of an asshole in terms of I expected a lot of things to just be delivered to me, and immediately I figured out that was not going to be the case. The one thing I did know, however, was that I had a lot of really interesting stories and that I had a lot of experiences in a very condensed amount of time regarding things that people were interested in, primarily libertarian politics, the 2016 election, stuff like that. So I gave myself a challenge. I told myself, I'm going to go ahead and write a book about all those experiences and I'm going to go ahead and self-publish it because I had actually you know, submitted the concept before I had finished the first draft to a few publishers. And what they all told me was, yeah, you've been published and you've done some things, but you're not a celebrity. And um, you know, you're talking about a really unpopular topic and what respectfully, when they say respectfully, you always know they're being a dick about it. Respectfully is a topic based on a lot of unlikable people. So we don't think this is going to sell. So I was like, okay, I know my audience because I had my podcast and other things at the time. I know the pe that people do want this. And if I give them the product, they will want it. Um, from there, I just had to do it. So I spent a year and a half writing this. And uh, the, the thing about self-publishing is it can cost a little money or it can cost a lot of money. So almost all my, you know, money that wasn't going towards gas and everything else was going towards the production of this book. After about a year and a half, I published uh, my first book, Stay Away from the Libertarians. And, um, you know, I, I hired uh, a, um, a publicist who gave me a very, very steep friends discount because I think she thought I was going crazy. And maybe if I, if she did this for me and it failed, I would go on and get a real job. But, um, you know, it was, uh, it, it, it was a pure passion project that, by all means should have failed, but within a couple of days, it managed to get not only in the bestsellers list in its category, but then Ben Shapiro went ahead and um, retweeted and endorsed the book based off a review that uh, Jeremy Frankel at the Daily Wire at the time wrote. And it not only sold more copies than I've ever sold of anything else I've ever sold, but it got on the overall Amazon bestsellers list. And, um, that was the big example. Now, my second book, uh, How to Succeed in Politics and Other Forms of Devil Worship, was really a passion project because that was my first attempt at writing fiction. The first book was nonfiction. Fiction, for the most part, especially in the science fiction realm, and erotica, if I'm being quite honest, those things sell very easily. There is a built-in audience for that. There are people actively looking for that. My problem with my second book was that I went the self-published route again 
which was not the problem. The problem was that I was self-publishing a book in a topic area that nobody wanted. So people still buy my second book, but it did not get on a bestsellers list. It got very little fanfare, and then the pandemic happened, and all my book signings got canceled. Uh, but I'm still selling copies of the first book. I, I, I sold more copies of my first book than a gentleman I met at the Daily Caller in 2018 who traditionally published through Regnery, had the opener of the book written by Jeb Bush, was featured on Mark Levin, and then he had a whole talent agency promoting him, and he sold less than 300 copies his first year. And he had yet to actually make royalties from that. So I'm, I'm putting that out there because whether you publish traditionally with an agent and with a firm or whether you publish yourself, you self-publish it, there's no guarantee of success either way. I know because first book succeeded, second book didn't really succeed, which is ironic because of the title. But, you know, with, with that said... Um, you know, I, I had a guest on the show last January, um, uh, Martin w- w- uh, Wisely. Uh, he's a self-published uh, science fiction author, was able to actually become financially independent, and now he writes, um, you know, one to two books a year, and he lives off of that, and he self-published. And, um, you know, it's, it's an amazing time now because I learned everything about self-publishing from YouTube. I learned all my writing from having done all my commentary work and everything else. And I'm a comic nerd, so fiction was always easy for me. Um, If people want to publish a book now, typically, I mean, unless you've got a very, very tight network of very connected individuals, I think that trying to go the self-publishing route is going to send you a lot of rejection letters. I think somebody will eventually say yes to your book. There's more than enough publishers out there. But when you get to the terms and conditions for the contracting, then that becomes its whole other thing. Then the question is, do you even want to publish of them? So if you're, and I'm, I'm speaking broadly, especially for science fiction, if you're a science fiction writer, I think self-publishing is your fastest way to not only get in front of people actively looking daily on Amazon for that, but you're going to make your royalties at a higher rate. Amazon is 70% uh, take home for, for the writer and you're, you're going to get a lot more out of it than, than you would otherwise. So I would say that if you're willing to take on a long-term project, whether you're writing just a single novel or whether you're going to go ahead and collect and make some more short stories to go ahead and actually put in a book, I think self-publishing is probably going to be the best thing you could do for yourself. And if you ever wanted to call yourself a writer, let me tell you, man, I had people that looked at me, they're like, oh, you're a self-published writer. And I looked at them and I'm like, no, fucker, I'm a self-published best-selling author. Because no one can take that away from you. You're an author because you published, and when you get bestseller on there, no one can compete with sales. Yep. No, that sounds good. Um, I thought, I've looked into self-publishing and I thought about it a couple of times, but I haven't. It, it gets to the point where you, you become an inaction um, based off options, right? You start to go, ah, is this the right way? Is this the right way? And then you kind of throw yourself off. You get focused on other things. You never get around to actually doing it. So um, knowing the ways that people have done this and succeeded at it is helpful because it's a, pl- a path you can, you can plow. You're not trying to do it yourself, right? That's the, the biggest takeaway I'm trying to, I think, get out of here is, the, the, the best biggest, path forward yeah, I mean, for, for accomplishing. Yeah, I mean, the biggest challenge I found was just wanting to finish the book because there were days I was not motivated. 
And you're going to go through, I mean, writing a book is like having a child. Sometimes you're going to love it. Sometimes you're going to want to drown it in the river. But, you know, the, the thing that I, I tell a lot of people, and I, 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 <laughs> I think I gained a reputation for like crushing a lot of authors' dreams because what happens is there are two types of people that reach out to me for authors' consultations specifically. You've got the people that already wrote a book and they want to know what to do next. And those people, I think half of them will actually go through to publish and succeed. And my measure of success is, did you publish it? That, that right there, that's it. Everything else is really outside of your control. There are things you could do to increase your odds of getting on bestsellers list, making sales, building a name. But if you just publish, like that itself is a big accomplishment everyone should be proud of. Half of those people will go on to publish. The people that where it's like a 10% of them will never even finish their book are the people that have an idea and then they want to get into the weeds of it. Where do I find an editor? How many manuscript drafts should I go through? Who's going to do my cover artist? How am I going to go ahead and publish it? How am I going to promote it? How am I going to do all these things? And, and what I tell them is don't even think about that. Throw that out immediately because if you don't have your book at least halfway drafted, nothing else matters. So what I would tell you is focus on just writing the book. My first book took me a year and a half. My second book took me six months. Being unemployed and sleeping on your couch in your parents' basement may help with that. Not gonna lie, it certainly did. But it was one of those situations where there were many times I was just like, I don't think this book is good. I really don't. And I wonder if I've wasted my time or not. And ultimately, I knew that the fact that I had even gone this far meant that it needs to be published because there are things about my first book I don't like. There are mistakes in my second book that I still notice. I would, I'd rather live in a world where I could say I did it than not. And I, I think th if somebody wants to be an author, they owe it to themselves to complete that. I, th I think every author um, I've seen interviews with and this topic has come up, they always say that there's things in their first book they wish they could go back and fix or change or something. And that's that's something I notice in my writing too. And I, when I get it done and I look at it, I go back to edit it and I look at it again. And then I can sit and just continually just change things and poke at it and prod at it. At some point you have to say it's done. It's good enough because you will just keep picking at that forever. If you don't, if you don't just put that line in the sand. I, I rewrote the ending to have succeed in politics probably three times, but I made a deal with myself. I wouldn't rewrite it unless my editors who were just friends of mine, who I was paying uh, page by page to edit it, unless they had a problem with it. So after each round of editing, they would bring up, there's an inconsistency here. This is poorly written. You, this doesn't make sense. Why is this working this way? And then I was like, this is me giving myself permission to go back and butcher it and make it better. And ultimately, it, it was giving myself that permission. I mean, I had, I had the same conversation with Stephen Kent uh, when he wrote his book, um, How the Force Will you know, Save the World and stuff. Um, Steven's problem was that, and I mean, he's an incredibly intelligent guy. He's a nerd like myself. His problem was that he had paralysis, he had, you know, paralysis by analysis. He was struggling not for a lack of imagination or a lack of information to put on paper. His problem was getting it and wondering whether he should re-edit it. He wrote, he, he edited one page like a dozen times and that killed like an entire day of progress. And all I could tell him was you need to give yourself permission to be sloppy of the first draft because there's, there's no point in editing unless it's complete at that point. 
You know, first right. drafts, I think school sets us up for failure because it's like, don't ever get anything wrong. No, give yourself the freedom to screw up and make mistakes, stupid typos, you know, syntax errors, all that stuff, and then go back and edit. Because I would rather go ahead and, you know, edit down 40,000 words to 30,000 words than have only made progress on one perfect page. And it, 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 if, if you're a perfectionist like myself, it will bother you to your core. But once you start doing that more often with your writing, you're going to develop more of a callus, and it's going to become easier, and you're going to find that you're knocking stuff out left and right, and it's not even a deal. So, I mean, give yourself permission to be sloppy that first draft. The only person that sees that first draft is you and the person you're paying or ho hopefully likes you enough to read it and not tell anyone how bad it is. Otherwise, no one will ever see that first draft. Oh, it's uh, it's good. The um, I always kind of looked at it when, especially when, when you're doing fiction, you really have to do that. Just lay it all out first, so you have an outline. You know, you, you can have an outline and think that you know the high points and where everything's going to go, and plan it out as best as you can. But once you start writing it and getting the words out, and you see how things start to meld and mesh together, it's going to spark new ideas, uh, which may give you a different path that you want to go. And seeing it from the end, when you go back to rewrite it, then you can say, okay, I know how it's supposed to end up and I can play with it to get there the right way. Right. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's when you can really do the good on the second. That's why I agree with the first right should be just get it out there. Just get something down on paper so that you can see the flow of it. And then you can go back and figure out where it needs improvement, what you need to do. And Absolutely. you may end up rewriting every word the second time, but it's still... Um, you're still moving forward on that. Um, you are a hundred percent on that. So Reinhold to, to kind of just recap it, you've got opportunities to go ahead and get back into writing, but it's going to depend on more of where you want to prioritize, whether you want to prioritize long-term growth where you will not get as much income coming in immediately, or whether you want to just get contracts to work on your writing, to get clients and get money in faster in terms of the difficulty in achieving where you're actually going to get clients and get paid, I'd highly recommend jumping into sales, uh, copywriting, and uh, you know, be, because of your professional field, uh, technical writing for higher profile corporate clients. I think you can go ahead and get a client immediately, especially if you can go ahead and show um, you know some evidence of prior writing. And e even for that, like if you have a, a good article or a blog or something, just letting people know that you can write in coherent functional English is good enough for them. That's all they really care about. And then the yeah. second one is if you want to jump into commentary, medium.com, throwing that paywall up there. I, I think that would really uh, help you and, and also just be happy. I think a lot of people try and take out the happiness factor from this, but if you're making 10 bucks doing something you're happy versus making a hundred dollars doing something you hate and it, it's not going to make or break your life, go for that. So definitely throw, uh, joining the medium partner program, I think would be great if you want to really focus on that. And then, you know, lastly, that, that book is going to take a good chunk of your life and it's going to require a lot of stuff. But if you want to maximize the ability to, um, you know, network because then once you once you're an author you're always an author make more royalties by self-publishing versus going through a traditional publishing firm but also just satisfy that need in yourself that wants to say look at this i created this book that people will be reading for many many years from now that's the hardest one that has the most delayed gratification 
but that's where you get a, a high amount of reward. And, and what I'm going to do after this is I'm going to go ahead and provide you uh, notes based off our call and additional resources like I give all my clients. So that way you can actively start taking these next steps as soon as we're finished today. All right. That sounds great. Cool. Well, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for uh, coming on and, you know, let, allowing people also kind of peek into what's going on with you. If people want to connect to you on social media and all that jazz, how could they do so? Uh, so Twitter is Reinhold at Reinhold. Um, and I do have a blog uh, currently where I just collected a lot of the writings I've done over the past uh, 20 or 30 years. So, and that's at Reinhold.org. So those are the, probably the best two ways on social media to get hold of me. Perfect, man. Appreciate you. Okay. Thank you. Well, folks, I hope that call with Reinhold went ahead and gave you kind of an idea of how we're going to walk through the process. Let me just go ahead and give you the breakdown of how I approach these calls, not just with Reinhold, but with all my clients. The first thing I got to understand is what is your situation? Some people need additional active side income. And remember, active means you're actively working for it. It's not passive where you're making money when you, when, when you sleep. Um, what I need to understand is what was your financial situation looking like? Do you need money now? because you really need the extra income, or is this money that is good to have? There are no wrong answers. I, 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 uh, based off how you respond to that, though, that's where we either need to raise the intensity or lower the intensity. Raise the intensity means we need to get you in front of as many clients as possible offering a service so that way you can get money as fast as possible. Or um, lower intensity means we could build a product, another service or something. You'll probably have to put in a little bit more work before you actually start making money. And, um, you know, whether you're doing something that involves royalties like a book or an article or whether you're doing uh, courses or something, it usually means that you can delay getting money. And what I tell people is if you're already in a comfortable position, but you want another stream of income, uh, you could probably make more money overall if you have a, a more low intensity goal in mind, which means that you don't, you're not struggling for money, which means you probably don't need to eat this money. If it's high intensity, that means you're struggling to pay your bills. If it's low intensity, it means that you just want to do it for whatever reason you have. And, you know, both are, but both are very uh, practical and everything. And, and then what I need to understand is what is your time commitment? Because this is basically signing up for an extra job. And, um, you know, some people say that side hustle culture is uh, too uh, ugly and uh, exploitative and everything. But my thing is like, listen, um, once you start getting a hang of it and once you have a good stable of clients and everything else, it doesn't matter, um, you know, what, what it is at that point. Uh, I can tell you that I was working more at the beginning of being a side gig guy than I am now because I've got formulas and you know strategies down for how to maximize my time. So I'm working as little as possible, but I'm getting as much money out of the situation as possible because I don't want to exchange time for money. I want to quickly be able to provide people value, and because they understand that value, they're willing to pay a higher markup for it. So once I understood his time commitment, which was he's time rich, which means he's got more than enough time to dedicate to this, I usually say a minimum of four hours, that's when I gave him the options. And, um, you know, what, what I hope he does is I hope he starts doing some sales copy, some technical writing, because 
uh, one, it's money in, which is probably the most important thing. But secondly, because um, it'll help him with everything else he does. He can still write commentary on Medium. He could still write on his book. I did all three of those things at the same time because it worked for me. And I was getting experience, I was growing my network, I was making money, but I still had time to work on those other things. So whether he works on the combination of them or just one of them, it's all about what makes him happy. But I didn't want to push him towards that. He, he, he was a commentary writer, he writes fiction, so I wanted him to understand that, listen, if you're willing to delay gratification a little bit, there are realistic options for you. And uh, lastly, and there are some other things in there, but uh, we'll, we'll cover that maybe another time. You can go back and listen to the call, maybe pick up those moments themselves. Um, you know, if, if you have a skill that is IT-based, which is STEM-based, and you can write, the world is your oyster. Um, I had a call with a gentleman a few weeks ago who is starting a side hustle where he's going to begin um, creating Excel formulas for small businesses so that way they have uh, custom Excel formulas to help them go ahead and plot data and stuff. And uh, there's not many people within his immediate geographic area who understand all the industries where he's at who can uh, meet clients where they are because he understands where they're coming from and what their lingo is already and provide them exactly what they need. And I, I think he's going to do absolutely great with that. So that's about it, folks. Please, if you want to go ahead and schedule a consultation with me um, about how to go ahead and you know utilize some of the strategies that we discussed, or maybe you're just brainstorming because you're frustrated, uh, money's tight, you're looking for new opportunities, you're within that retirement window, you're a millennial trying to get out of debt, whatever it is, let me help you. Let me coach you through the process. Go ahead and email me at remso, R-E-M-S-O, at rwmartinez.com, or DM me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn. If you find me there, send me a message, and we'll get you a call and start making you money sooner or later. As always, Remso W. Martinez, be safe, be good. Good night. <laughs>